Blog Talk Radio. Hey there, must be Monday, and it must be 11 a.m. Eastern Time, because it's time for Parenting Your Challenging Child. Dr. Ross Green here, joined as always by my co-host, Susie Parton. Susie, how are you today? Good, thanks. How are you, Dr. Green? Uh, I am good. had a um, full house in Portland, Oregon on Friday last week. Great. With people who were very excited, number one, that I um, had come back to Oregon after many years of not being there, and very excited to learn about collaborative and proactive solutions and um, start implementing it in their schools and homes and facilities. So uh, I got quite a charge out of that, and it was a great group and a great day. Fantastic. How are you doing? Good, thanks. Excited about turning the clocks ahead and having more daylight. Um, But going back to you, uh, it's quite an ambitious schedule you have this spring and summer. Um, Uh, A little too ambitious, but um, that's okay. It's it's good that a lot of people want to learn about collaborative and proactive solutions. Yes. Um, Also good that there are um, people who I have trained Um, who are also out there speaking on my behalf. Um, There are some other people who are wonderful at talking about the CPS model. So um, our new motto is it doesn't always have to be Ross, Um, Mm -hmm. and that's been true for a while. But uh, these are people who are very knowledgeable about the model and very skilled as presenters because, of course, we wouldn't have it any other way. Um, And sometimes their talks, when they are open to the public, will be posted as are mine on the CPS Connection website um, with their name so people know who the speaker is. And so that's happening as well. Fabulous. Why don't we give the call-in number? What Um, do you think? Well, okay. Call in number is three four seven nine nine four two nine eight one. And please press one. Now we got a bunch of email waiting for us, um, recent ones that I was hoping we would get to today, but as people know, we are always uh putting callers first on this program and we have a call already from area code five six two. So let's take our caller. And then we'll see if we get to some emails today. No big deal if we don't, but um, here we go. Uh, area code 562, you're on the air. What's up today? Uh, hi, good morning. I'm actually a return caller. I called two weeks ago about my son. Um, he has uh, ADHD and, and he's in kindergarten. Okay. Um, just wanted Refresh to our memories and, uh, a little bit about what sure. kind of issues you called in with and what kind of advice we gave you, and then we'll pick it up. Sure. Um, he, um, uh, I had written an email in advance. Um, it was mainly about his struggles in school and uh, trying to uh, get some help there. Um, I had met with the um, uh, people at the school about um, a possible IEP, and um, 
today I'm just calling in more about um, I've tried to talk to my son and I'm just having trouble getting him to talk. Um, when I called in, you had mentioned something about possibly um, checking for language processing delays because he mm-hmm. just doesn't say much um, when I try to talk to him. So we um, we met with a psychologist uh, last week, and it was just, um, you know, the initial appointment, so we didn't really, um, uh, there was no real therapy that day. But um, she said just from the first meeting that she didn't think that she noticed any signs of any language processing delays. Um, but I, I have tried to talk to my son. Um, I don't know if I'm, maybe I'm not... Um, doing it right but he seems to just shut down whenever I want to talk to him and I really try hard not to mention his behavior mm-hmm. um, but it he just kind of um, he, he just shuts down and I've tried to have um, because I've listened to other shows and I've tried to have a plan B about talking with him and he yep. just the only thing I can get out of him is it's boring so let me and, ask you a um, question Go ahead, sorry. Mm-hmm. No, 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 go ahead, sure. Well, I'm wondering, you took him to the psychologist, and the psychologist mm-hmm. did not see any sign of language processing delays. Did the psychologist engage your son in conversation? And was your son more uh, more able to converse with the psychologist than your son is able to converse with you? Or did the psychologist not ask your son to questions that are of the same type that you are asking your son? I'm interested in knowing how that went and whether you saw the same thing that you tend to see. Um, it was um, she. She didn't ask him the type of questions that I'm asking him when I'm attempting a plan B. It was more. I mean, he's very vocal when it comes to just talking about something like. Um, um, that he thinks is fun, like describing um, a TV show he watched or um, talking about uh, something he's very interested in, like cars, or um, then he, he can, he talks a lot. Um, so the when she did engage with him, it was more just talking to him about how he's doing and his interests and what he likes doing and things like that. So he, he was talking. Um, but when I tried to talk to him, um, about something when when I try to bring up something where I noticed that he got frustrated about something, he seems to just shut down. So if so, do I, is it safe to say that if you're trying to talk to him about what he likes to do for fun, he's pretty verbal there too? Yes. Good. So what he's having difficulty talking about is problems. Can you give us yes, an and, example, and when, J- just to double-check here on how you're trying to, the words you're using to try to get him to talk. Can you give us an example of, because, um, you know, one of the things we emphasize in this program and in the CPS model is that Plan B can come to a grinding halt if um, the unsolved problem is worded poorly. Can you give us an example of how you're trying to get Plan B kicked off? Um, the words sure, that you're using? I, I can give you, um, sure, I, I could give you two examples because I had one that actually 
was the only one that I would call a little bit successful where I got some information out of him. Okay. Go ahead, um, yeah. And, yeah, and that was just I noticed you're having difficulty getting up um, uh, and going to school. And um, he, um, at first, he kind of shut down, um, and I told him that he could take his time, and um, he still wasn't answering. And then I started kind of asking probing questions like, um, is it that the work is hard? And he, he said yes. Um, and um, I asked, is it that someone's me to you? He said no. Um, and then it, what really surprised me, which I've heard on other shows as well, is he said something I didn't expect at all, and that was he finally came out and said that he's afraid that a stranger is going to take him when he's at school. And that's something I'd never even considered as being a problem for him. I, I had no idea. And they did have a, a stranger day in his school when um, last semester they had a, you know, where the fire department came in and talked to all the kids about, you know, the which strangers you can trust and who you cannot. But um, And he talked about it a little bit after that, and we read they sent home a little um, packet that we read at home as well. And he didn't seem to... Um, be extremely bothered by it, but he'll bring it up from time to time. Well, when we had that Plan B conversation, he said that, and then he and cried. Where I well, jumped there is when we got. Sorry, go ahead. Well, I would say that that was a well-worded, unsolved problem, and it is possible that that's why he was able to talk about it. Can you give us your other example on the one that he didn't talk? Yes. Um, I actually had one this weekend, and I um, I actually tried to have a group plan B as well that, that went okay with him and his best friend. Um, they were playing a game, and um, what happens is my son gets very upset uh, when he doesn't win, um, and that happens frequently. And... Uh, they came out um, of the room, and the other little boy told me that my son had uh, uh, that he hit him. And um, they they kind of um, this happens where they do this. They go back and forth a lot, um, and they get into arguments. So it's kind of a situation where, like I've heard you say before, it takes two to tango. So I had a conversation with both of them, and the the other little boy was very vocal about his concerns and. Um, also had a few suggestions for my son about what he does when he gets frustrated. So I, it went very well, I think, for the other little boy, but my son was <laughs> quiet almost the whole time. <laughs> mm-hmm. But um, the only thing my son said was, my head tells me to do bad things when I get mad. And um, that was... And then I tried to have one after with him when it was just me and him. And I said, I noticed that it's difficult for you when you don't win, when you're playing games with your friend. And nothing. And I said, Mm -hmm. you know, do you not want to talk about it? And he said, no. Okay. So the the first attempt at Plan B on that um, included Mm -hmm. another kid and was emergent. So we would yeah. call that not not. Um, I, I don't know that I would say that it was not ideal, but it apparently was not ideal for your son in trying to extract information from him. He had another kid talking a lot, and it was in the heat of the moment. So 
emergency plan B is usually not ideal, but then when you um, went back to do it proactively, he said he didn't want to talk about it. Yes. And that was under more ideal circumstances. Um, now, what I might have done to follow up is, here's the interesting thing. Sometimes when you do proactive plan B, but the kid is not aware of what you wanted to talk about, sometimes it's good to give the child advance warning of um, what the topic is going to be, because otherwise, even though you're doing plan B proactively, the topic is still being sprung on him. But I have another strategy for you, and I don't know if you tried this one. Um, so that's the first thing I would do, is I would give him advance warning of something you'd like to talk to him about. He can think about it a little bit beforehand, and then it's not a huge surprise to him, even though you're doing it proactively. But here's a strategy that we talk about on the program sometimes, and that I talk about frequently when I'm speaking about the model. It's the five-finger method. If, And truth is, I, don't, I can't say that you made a big mistake by respecting his wish not to talk about it right then. It's just that you guys do need to talk about it at some point, even if it isn't right then. So what I might have done to follow up on him saying he didn't want to talk about it right then is say, let's find a time that we can talk about it now that you know that it's something that I want to talk with you about, right? But when kids don't talk, and here's what I'm hearing about your son. He sounds to be pretty, sounds like he's pretty verbal when you're not talking with him about problems. And when you are talking yep. with about problems, less so, but not completely so. On the first one, you did get some information. One of the things I'll say about your son is that he's got some interesting things to tell you if he's able to tell you, right? So we don't yep. want to give up on trying to hear about what's going on in his head. But what I do with some kids who are verbal otherwise, but not very verbal when talking about unsolved problems, is guess and have the child hold up fingers to let me know how accurate the guess is and how true it is of the child. So five means very true, four means pretty true, three means sort of true, two means not very true, and one means not true at all. So that's usually not a hard system to teach kids. If kids can't really handle the five-finger thing, then we'll just go with thumbs up, thumbs down, and thumbs in the middle. And what you are then doing... And, you know, guessing and theorizing is not ideal under most circumstances, but if it's a kid who you are having trouble getting information out of, then guessing and theorizing is not so tragic. You're just looking for some mechanism to get confirmation from your child about what you've said and what's true and what's not. And so I usually encourage people to start with something goofy so that the kid can learn the system, right? So I might start with something like, you like spaghetti, and if he holds up three fingers, you've got info. Um, you like the Los Angeles Dodgers. If he holds up five fingers, you've got info. He hasn't said a word. The reason it's hard for you to... Um, now, here's one other thing about that I'll say about the unsolved problem as you presented it. One thing I would ask you is whether... It's only when the other kid is winning that they're having trouble playing together. Because if you're not so sure about that, I would leave out the when you're winning part, because that could be a theory, and simply say, I've noticed that you and Chad sometimes have difficulty getting along together when you're playing together, 
and I would leave out the when he's winning part, because if that's a theory, then that could be stopping Plan B dead in its tracks as well. I should have mentioned that earlier. Depends on how sure you are that the only time he's having difficulty getting along with Chad, which I know is not the real the kid's real name, is when Chad is winning. If that's not true, I wouldn't go with it. I would just go when we're playing together, sometimes. Then I might use the five-finger method, and let's see what's true. Chad cheats at games. Let's see how many fingers he holds up. Chad doesn't smell very good. Let's see how many fingers he holds up. Chad only wants to play the games that he wants to play and not the games that I want to play. Let's see how many fingers he holds up. And by that method, you might get more information out of your son than you're getting right now. That, that That's actually, and it's interesting because two of the things you just said are things that I've heard him complain about. He claims that the other little boy cheats and that he um, only plays the games that he wants to play because it is his game system. So, Aren't um, I a good guesser? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the other little boy feels that he should get to decide because it's his and he's letting him, you know, be part of the game. But what mm-hmm. I'm wondering, that's something else that I'm having a tough time approaching. With my son, um, anytime he does put concerns on the table, because I've always tried to kind of talk to him when I see him um, acting in, in a figure out why, just not in, you know, this way, which, you know, but just talk to him and it's, um, it's difficult when um, the solution, and I'm sure it is happens with a lot of especially young kids, is that, you know, the solution is usually he should just let me pick or he, you know, it's um, it, it's it's usually hard or, or when it's um, something where, it, you know, it's a toy or a thing that belongs to another child. And, yes, it might not seem fair that, you know, the other child is, um, you know, controlling the entire, um, you know, playtime because it's his things that you're using. So how do you tell a child that, you know, sometimes it's, that's just how it is, it, it's his things? That's what I've always gone with. But now I find that that seems to be frustrating for my son when, when you kind of just shut him down like that and just tell him it's just the way it is. I'm sorry. <laughs> well, you may, you may be <laughs> on to something because that's not a mutually yeah. satisfactory solution. That's you um, – That's you teaching him a life lesson. But uh, in CPS, you're looking to get his concerns on the table and your concerns on the table. I suspect that your concerns have something. I don't want to tell you what your concerns are, but I suspect that your concerns have something to do with the fact that um, uh, you want want his friend to feel comfortable in your household. Uh, You want the kid to be friends with him, right? But you're looking for a solution that addresses not only your concerns, but also his. And um, suck it up, that's the way life is, I'm going a little overboard here, (laughs) is not going to be a mutually satisfactory solution. And you're right, will make your son far less enthusiastic about um, participating the next time. So, yeah. Um, yeah, you might want to stay away from those kinds of solutions. Yeah, and it, it's just difficult because it's also, he has a hard time. My son is not the type that's going to say either, then I don't want to play. He has a hard time kind of uh, backing off because he can be very intense. You know, he's, um, uh, so he won't, 
you know, remove himself from a situation, that's very difficult for him to, to, to remove himself from the situation. He'll just stay and kind of be what other people feel is obnoxious. And uh, he just, even if you try, try to tell him, you know, let's, let's leave for a little while, and even when the other child may be saying, you know, I want him to leave right now, he refuses. Uh, it, it's just hard because then I, I feel like I'm, you know, like I, I don't know what to say, and I feel like the other parents may be expecting me to do something different. It, it's just, I don't know, I maybe I'm just... <laughs> getting into a whole different problem now, but it's, um, it's just, it's hard. Um, and it, he has these issues when he plays with other kids as well. He, he gets along with other kids. He has friends, but he tends to have at least one disagreement every time he plays with someone. Well, you got some problems to solve and, um, yeah. they're not going to get solved if your son doesn't provide you with information, but you've gotten some help along there and you're not, they're not going to get solved if you are imposing solutions on your son and he feel, doesn't feel that his concerns are going to get addressed. So you've got some, you've got some marching orders here, I suppose we could call them. You've got, some, you've got some work to do. And, of course, we will be on the air again next week, and you can call and give us an update. Okay. Thank you so let much. Let us know how the five-finger method worked. Let me just, before you go, let's see if Susie has anything to add here. Um. I'm not sure if I said it during your last call, but it it does sometimes take a while for children to participate in a Plan B conversation. Um, but by empathizing and um, letting your son know that he's heard, um, it goes a long way um, for the for the process. Um, it is a lot of patience and time and hard work. Um, I might revisit during a quiet time. My head tells me to do bad things when I get mad. I think that's what your son had said, something to that effect. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and and so during a quiet time, you might want to explore that with him, and it might be a time that together the two of you can figure out solutions that would help him do other things when he gets mad and frustrated. Um, it was very helpful in our case to prioritize our unsolved problems, and I I kept a log with the two or three um, most important problems that we had. In our case, it was just uh, civility within our family. But, of course, um, everybody's case is different. Um, and I guess that was just our job was to help him keep him calm and walk him through the problem. And, you know, we said to him, we could see that you're getting upset about this, but I think that it's something that we can talk about. And um, that that helped keep him calm. Er. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I know. It's not easy. Yeah. Keep yeah, us posted. 
we'll we'll do our best to keep helping you along. I'm glad that you have a psychologist out your way pitching in here, and we'll have to see how it all goes. Thank you so much. You bet. Take care. Take care. Susie, we have another caller. Terrific. I agree. Area code 781. You are on the air. What's up today? Hi. Good morning. I'm so excited to be able to ask my questions. We're Um, glad to have you. I'm really excited. So um, my family and I have been using your program, um, actually unknowingly, before I even picked up your wonderful book. Um, And I guess I I have three questions. And if there's another caller waiting, we don't have to get to all of them. There's no one behind um, you at the moment. Ah, okay. Let it rip. Um, <laughs> I think <laughs> um, I have an overarching question and then some specific questions about my eight-year-old daughter. Um, so we've identified her most important lagging skills, and we're working on them. We are very lucky that she is so communicative with us and she can tell us immediately what's wrong. So we're really lucky with that. And we've put some, you know, collaborative um systems in place that are working. And we're I know that we're we're very lucky in that aspect. Um what my husband and I are struggling with is and maybe we haven't been doing this long enough to know do the lagging skills get unlagged, or will we be just solving the unsolvable problems as we prod along? Is that a great fair question? question. <laughs> oh, my God, yes. Okay. That's a great question. No, I'm um, thrilled. Think about, let's think about what's going on in the empathy okay. step. Your yep. child is learning how to uh, think about, I think you said it was a she, yes? Yes, yes. eight-year-old. To think about her concerns. Your child Mm -hmm. is learning how to articulate her concerns in a way that other people can hear and more easily take into account. Uh, Boy, there sure are a lot of things done by human beings that are not wonderful almost totally because they weren't able to reflect on their concerns and even if they were, weren't able to articulate them in a way that other people could hear. So there's other skills being taught in the empathy step as well, but those are some pretty big ones. In the define adult concern step, your child is learning and practicing how to listen to somebody else's concerns without getting upset, how to take somebody else's concerns into account, how to take another person's perspective. A lot going on in the defined adult concerns step. Boy, there sure are a lot of things human beings do that human beings wish they wouldn't do because they don't have those skills. And yet, instead of being taught directly um, by sitting the child down and saying, let me teach you how to take another person's perspective, good luck with that. Instead, your Mm -hmm. child is learning how to do it um, in real life and practice it 
in, um, by working on problems. In the invitation, your child, and I'm not being exhaustive here about the skills being taught, is learning how to generate solutions, learning how to generate solutions that take somebody else's concerns into account, learning how to evaluate whether those solutions are mutually satisfactory and are realistic. Boy, there sure are a lot of skills being taught when you're just doing plain old plan B, but those skills aren't being taught directly. Directly meaning, let's sit the kid down and teach the skill. The skills are being taught indirectly in the process of solving problems. Okay. Did that answer the question? So, no, that's that's it, it does, um, and I like that. I like what I'm hearing. So, if we're empathic, which we we strive to be, we want to be, we know that works. Um, it's not always possible. Um, then she's learning empathy. She's learning um, seeing how her behavior is affecting other people. She's seeing. Um, she's able to engage in those discussions so she's learning from from seeing us be empathic to her um but if let me give you a specific example um poor focus at home uh, difficulty managing focus um how if she's able to tell us well here's how I want you to help me with the focus which she has how is the plan B, just in the discussion and the modeling, how is that helping her with the focus? I don't know that it would. I know that okay. it would help you come up with a solution to the fact that she's having difficulty focusing. Okay. But I don't know if it is it that you shouldn't. Good. I don't know that if it will that it will improve her focus dramatically, though that would be a nice byproduct on that unsolved problem so that you have a solution to an expectation that she's having trouble focusing on. And if the solution's working, then at least you've got a solution. Sometimes, by the way, the solution has to take into account that the kid doesn't have that skill, but we still have to find a way to make it work. So I think that there are... Some skills, like the ones I mentioned, that I would expect, and we're evaluating this in research right now, by the way, there are some Mm -hmm. skills that we would expect Plan B to teach indirectly, and there are some skills that I wouldn't expect that are on the assessment of lagging skills and unsolved problems that I wouldn't expect would be dramatically improved just by doing Plan B. And difficulty focusing is one of the ones I would not expect to be dramatically improved just by doing plan B. The good news is I do think you can come up with a solution to the problem that you're trying to solve with your daughter that sprang to mind from the lagging skill of difficulty focusing. I don't look to plan B to improve focusing. I do look Mm -hmm. to plan B to improve those skills we were talking about earlier. Right, and I guess if um, the solutions we've come up with, which is she loves charts, she loves checklists. She said, give me a checklist so that I can check off what I'm supposed to be doing after, I'm supposed to, after I do it. Um, I guess she can take that life skill with her to combat her difficulty maintaining focus if she right. 
as she gets older if this is a problem that she continues having. Correct. Just remember, um, you're not yeah. working on difficulty focusing directly. Right. You are working on problems that spring to mind, expectations she's having difficulty meeting that spring to mind when you are considering that lagging skill. So the other thing that we should make clear is that in discussing the problem with her yep. and gathering information from her in the empathy step, you may come to learn that even though difficulty focusing is what caused you to think of that unsolved problem, in the empathy yep. step you may come to learn that difficulty focusing is not what's behind that unsolved problem at all. And so... You're still in the problem-solving business, but that's what's yeah. great about, first of all, you're not working on lagging skills directly most of the time. And quite frankly, I'm not aware of any especially effective technologies for improving focusing, quite frankly, beyond medication. But we don't even know until we do the empathy step whether your daughter's concern, perspective, point of view, what she tells us about what's getting in the way or what's hard on that unsolved problem. We don't actually know that she's going to talk about the fact that she's having difficulty focusing. She may talk about something completely different. She may talk about an assignment being hard, and it may have nothing to do with focusing. So just because yeah. the lagging skill made you think of that unsolved problem doesn't mean that that's what you're going to hear from your daughter when you actually get to talking about it. Does that make sense? Oh, it does. And um, two things um, sprang to mind when you were um, explaining that. We have assumed going into a discussion with her that we knew what the lagging skill was, and it came out to be something totally different. And right. we were excited and flabbergasted at the same time. And that's why we just love this method, that she can tell us, no, I didn't... Um, refused to clean my play area because I wanted to be bad. I was upset that my playmate left without helping me. And it, to me, it came down to a um, frustration as well as being overwhelmed about how to solve the problem. So we were working on that. Um, and the other thing is, before we started doing this, we assumed erroneously that her difficulty maintaining focus was disrespect, and it's not. So, for example, just to give you one quick example about focus, she's expected to go to her room after breakfast to put her uniform on for school. She goes up there, forgets what she's supposed to be doing, ostensibly, and starts reading. So, you know, the whole morning routine. But, yeah, and again, we've... We used to see it as disrespect way back when, two weeks ago. And um, now we. Uh, I'm glad you're off know, of that, by the way. That's going to get you to respond in a completely different way than doing Plan B, of course. But keep going, sorry. Ab absolutely. It, and it has. And it's it's been life changing within, within weeks. Like I said, we were doing empathy, we do a lot of problem solving. But before reading your book, it kind of solidified a lot of things, let's say, and gave us different perspective. Um, so can I jump on to the next question? Of course. Please, okay, but I just okay. want to make sure um, one thing's crystal yes. clear. Yes. 
The reason you are checking off lagging skills is for lenses. It helps yes. you, instead of saying she's disrespectful, those lagging skills help you say other things instead, like she may be having difficulty focusing. So that's a huge shift, right? And that's wonderful. Yes. And then the lagging skill is helping you think of unsolved problems. But yes. when you're thinking of, of unsolved problems, <laughs> right, when you're thinking of unsolved problems, even though the lagging skill is helping you think of the unsolved problems, the likelihood that you're going to hear from your daughter that it's the lagging skill that's getting in the way is slim and none. You're, you're probably not going to hear okay. that, right? Well, I w- yeah. slim and none's a little drastic. But children actually aren't likely to talk about lagging skills in the empathy step. They're not going to put it that way. So you shouldn't expect in the empathy step that you're going to hear about lagging skills. The truth is the lagging skill has already done its job. It's given you different lenses. It's given you different language, right. and it's helped you think of a good unsol- a bunch of good unsolved problems. Beyond that, right. you're probably not going right. to hear about the lagging skill from your daughter. You might, but the sure. likelihood is that you won't. You know what I'm saying? Oh, yeah. She will not come out with, gee, Mom, I'm having difficulty handling ambiguity and uncertainty. Can you help me with that? Right. <laughs> She's right. Not gonna, she won't be able to say that, but we need to look at that as a lens and focus on the myriad of unsolved problems that turn explosive. Um, okay, no, I do understand that, and thank you for, um, you know, repeating that and clarifying that. Um, I guess my next question has to do with um, if you have a crystal ball that you can invite me to look into. <laughs> and here's here's what I mean. Um, and... I kind of know that it's almost unanswerable, but why do these unsolved problems not play out in school in any way, shape, or form? And I'm particularly talking about transitions, focus, and frustration, which certainly happen at school. Um, I've talked to her teachers, and they are downright flabbergasted that any of this could even possibly be happening at home. So, and does this mean this might happen at school if she ever gets so frustrated? Um, so that's that. I'm really confused about that, and um, I kind of want that confusion to be um, lifted. Uh, or is that even possible? So, well, why do you think it's not happening at school? Being able to meet number one, I don't know your daughter, so I can't give you. We don't know your daughter, so we can't give you a sort of definitive answer. Um, One thing that's for sure, though, is that um, it's very common for kids to have difficulties at home and under apparently similar conditions at school not have problems. They're able to meet the expectation. That's actually quite common. And so I promise you, you're not the only parent who is wondering about that, Um, And there's a few explanations for that. Some kids are on medication that benefits them at school and not home. doesn't sound like your daughter is one of them, but that's the case in some cases, right? And so the kid gets home and the kid is no longer medicated. And so it's a completely different kid than the one they had at school. 
Another possibility, right. though, is the embarrassment factor, that most human beings look better outside the home than they do inside the home. And so um, that's most of us, not just your daughter. She may be putting out extra energy to try to keep it together at school because of the embarrassment factor. Um, I've had numerous explosive kids say to me, oh, I, would, I couldn't do that at school. It would be too embarrassing, right? But they feel a little safer at home right. maybe or their guard is down a little bit or they're just, you know, they've been looking bad at home for a while. So um, nothing new there, right? But at school they are still still have the wherewithal to hold it together. By the way, there are kids who don't have the wherewithal to hold it together at school, and then they are losing it in both places, right? Um, right. Or not, just, not, not necessarily just losing it, but um, still having difficulty meeting expectations. You also have the herd mentality working at school, and that is that for kids who are having difficulty making transitions, it may be that they're having difficulty making transitions and it's not their best thing. But at school... Everybody's making the transition together, and some kids, definitely not all, are able to sort of pay attention to the cues of what's going on around them and move, right, more easily. So right. there's a lot. That, bottom line is um, it's always uh, a function of the expectation and the skills your daughter has to meet it, but there clearly can be some environmental factors that can make it more likely that she's going to meet it in one environment and not another. Now, the bad news okay. is that a lot of folks, when they hear that it's better at school than at home, it's easy to make the judgment, well, that must be because uh, the folks at home are incompetent disciplinarians, when, to tell you the truth, that's almost never it. Um, we've got to look at the specific context in which you're, the specific expectations and why your daughter's having an easier time meeting them at school than at home. They might be different. You've got the herd mentality. You've got the embarrassment factor. Those don't work for the folks at home. You don't have that. Right, right. Let me let me see if right. Susie wants to weigh on that, too. That that may be the last question of the three that we can answer just because we're going to run out of time here. But, Susie, let's hear what you That's have to fine. say on that. No, I just... Thank you. It sounds like pretty terrific advice, and there's not much that I would add. Just it sounds like you're off to a great start and in understanding your daughter um all right you want to slide yep. in your third question here and if we have time we'll answer okay. it today and if we don't we'll wait till next week fair enough um i don't know how we can help her with this problem um it's one of the only problems she's not able to tell us um why it's happening what we can do about it during the empathy stage um she, I'll put this positively, has difficulty when other people get gets things that she does not. For example, a birthday present to me. Um, other kids getting to be in an after-school activity, and, and she's not for a myriad of reasons. Uh, is it just her personality, normal eight-year-old development, or um, is it a is it an unlagging skill and how can we help her with that if she's not able to talk to us about that problem? Well, um, we're, we need to hear from her on that problem. Um, okay. We need to word it in a way that she can understand. But the truth is, 
we won't know if this is personality. We won't know what the solutions are unless we get yeah. some info out of her. I don't know if you heard yeah. the end of the previous call with the mom and the five fingers. I did. I did. I want to try that. that. Yeah, yeah. That, be, that was fascinating. I'm always astounded. Yeah, I'm always astounded that such a simple strategy can really help us get a lot of information from kids who are otherwise having difficulty providing it to us. But um, right. bottom line is we won't know the answers to the questions that you are posing about what this means until your daughter starts providing us with information about it. The good news is she doesn't have to use yeah. words. All she has to use is her fingers. Right, right. Yeah, because this note, problem is pretty significant. Okay, yes. Yeah, yeah. Sounds like it. On that yeah, note, just, just so that we don't run out of time, <laughs> we're going to call it a day. Perfect. Okay. Thank you for calling. If you want more on that, call in next week. Okay. Thank you very Take much. Care. I appreciate Thank all you of your calling. insight, and it, it's very valuable. Thank you. Thank you. Take care. Susie, on that note, we need to call it a day. All right. Thanks, as always, for doing this. Well, I love doing the program. It's a blast. Take care. Yes, it is. You too. Bye-bye.